So we're sitting here at 15 Perry Street. It's been a while since we've been in this studio. I think the last time we recorded, we were at Line Creek Brewing Company. We appreciate those guys allowing us to be out there. That was a really cool experience. It really yeah. was. There was a one-team, one-fight brew that was supporting uh, Hunter 7 Foundation and local nonprofits yeah. uh, that support veterans and stuff. So it was a it was a really cool um, thing for them to invite us to start recording there. A bunch of guys came in. You probably listened to most of the episodes by the time this one airs. Yeah. But uh, we, we thought we would maybe do this episode with a little bit different uh, format and topic. You know, instead of having a guest, it's just Kyle and I. And uh, talk about a topic that today is kind of near to me because um, a couple years ago I joined a company. And uh, when you're coming into a new organization, you got to make sure that you're building the network. You're developing the team. Obviously, there may be people that you inherit as well as, yeah. you know, you're trying to get the new personnel yeah. and everything. But um, communication, collaboration, and coordination are the three C's that kind of come to mind of how an organization really needs to function. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like it's a kind of a step system, right? So coordination would be that official. Coordination would be like this is how we're going to coordinate these operations or these, these communications within our organization. So then collaboration would be more natural. Mm-hmm. And then communication just being the overarching theme there, right? So... Communication is part of both collaboration and coordination. Uh, but what makes what's the difference of the two or the three really? And how can we use those in a business mindset um, to to kind of help a help an organization thrive? Like an organization that communicates effectively is 100% a better organization than, a, than an organization that doesn't. You know what I mean? Well, you think about, you know, both of us served in the Army, but you think back even when we were serving, and a lot of our listeners are still in active duty, the old saying of shoot, move, and communicate. Communicate oh, yeah. was obviously one of those <laughs> main important yeah. efforts. If, if you're not communicating properly with the people on your left and on your right, oh, and yeah. the rear, everything yeah. else, you're just not going to be able to do the proper coordination. Well, people never understood why everything was so standardized. Why Why are we using acronyms? Why is everything so standardized? It's because at the end of the day, like that's going to get the point across, and that's all you're trying to do. It's it's like bluff writing format, bottom line up front. Let's get everything out in the open. What needs to happen now? We're developing the situation. Communication is the first part of developing any situation. Yeah. So, And that's in business or in the military, you know, whatever. If you're – you know, actions on contact versus, you know, actions on contact from a client. You know what I mean? Like somebody's got to know how to communicate with them, whether it be a secretary or mid-level management or upper management. There's different ways that people communicate at those different levels. And and communicate crosswise. So I, I think what I find within a lot of organizations, and maybe so much you don't see it within the military, but certainly in the private sector, a lot of silos are created. Oh, Yeah. A lot of us and them and, and those types of things. And, um, you know, in, in organizations where you have leaders that really, it, there's one thing to want to be able to protect your people and mm-hmm. to protect your organization and make sure that it's being taken care of and supported in the right yeah. way. But there's yeah. another thing about that where you're not coordinating yes. and you think everything runs and centers around your team. Yeah, that's, that, is, that is the tribal mentality. That is where tribalism within an organization can actually probably you know lend towards you not being as effective as an organization because it's us versus them and that's fine to some degree like you want to have that kind of inner inner department or inner inner facet um you know rivalry there but at at some point you always got to realize that you all are falling under the same umbrella and so when we're communicating and we're coordinating um and collaborating really like interdepartmental collaboration is 
pivotal to success. So if an operations and a production don't speak or they don't speak but only when they have to and they're not making efforts to uh, learn one another's processes and kind of mesh those two together, then you then you have these pitfalls in these companies. Man, you're hitting on a spot there that I can I can I feel it because you know you're absolutely right. I think um, you know you get sales against operations in the private mm-hmm. sector because they don't. One guy is out there trying to uh, you know bring in p- uh, top line uh, yeah. revenue and everything, while the operational component of it is focused on you know, the day-to-day grind and making sure that we deliver product to the customer. Yeah. Sometimes those two things clash because the top line people are just focused on bringing in the cash and they don't understand the cost that may be uh, involved in that. And if you're not uh, communicating properly yeah. or if you're looking at a data set and you're trying to manage a customer set and um, you're, you're communicating with the customer, but you're not communicating internally yeah. To your point, you don't understand within the process that there are metrics and stuff that are occurring that we're looking for leading indicators, things that are going to be coming around the corner that we need to be focused on so we can go ahead and take action on it. And all they see is we're not servicing customers. Why isn't this happening? And in fact, it just may be that there was a bottleneck within the process that we all understood was there. And it's called something out of our control. And it was a government agency that interfered and said, no, you know, we need to have these permits filled out before you can do what you got to do. So you throw that over to the government and they could take 30 days to six months to give you back the documentation. That's out of your control. I mean, you can have a network all you want, Mm -hmm. but if the, the people who are communicating with the customer and hearing the complaints don't understand how to properly uh, put that back, it could go all the way up the chain with individuals saying things like, this is falling apart, it's not working, those people over there are the people causing the problems. To your point, it's a process. People on the other side, not everybody understands it. We're not tracking the data. We don't understand what we're tracking. Confusion, yeah. lack of coordination, lack of communication, um, big the, time. the whole bit. So how do, we, how do we put that within the military? I think, you know, it's, it's some of the same ways. I mean, we have a lot of guys. I mean, we both came from combat arms, but... Yeah. You know, when when you have individuals who are working back in the rear and they're supporting, you know, the people up front, we need our ammo, we need our food, yeah. you know, we need all those types of support. And if you're not communicating with them so that they know where you are, you're going to run out of ammo. You're going to run out of fuel. I mean, that's the reason it's 630 the purse stats do. That's the reason, or 9 o'clock the purse stats do. That's the reason you, you're given, even after small engagements, you're given lace reports. You're it, It's just a... A thing that you're always supposed to do. You're always supposed to report. You're always supposed to communicate. You're always supposed to let somebody know what your combat capabilities are at the time. And that that should be the same for business. Like people, people at my company now that, that I'm working with, they um, they kind of shy away from meetings. They they kind of say, "Hey, we are the meetingest organization I've ever been a part of." But that is until communication lines can get opened up and streamlined. Meetings are important, and um, that's the reason that every battalion, every brigade has a meeting, has a sync meeting every week. They do it because everyone might not be communicating as effectively as they can, so the best way to do it is put everybody in a room and talk about it. Well, we call it a war room even in the private sector. Oh, second. yeah, yeah. you got all your metrics and dashboards. <clears throat> you got to make sure everybody's coordinated. Does yeah. everybody understand what we're trying to accomplish this week? What yeah. are the... Um, what are the risks? What are the roadblocks to success? What are the safety things we need to be evaluating? Yes. You know, all of those factors come into play in the communication and in that war room. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. 
So in my current position, I'm the pre-construction coordinator for a, for a large construction company here in the Atlanta area. And my job, one of the 70% of my job is putting together a meeting called a, uh, a handoff meeting where we take a project from pre-construction and send it out into the world to get built, right? So there's a bunch of, you know, I call it estimator language that has to be kind of filtered out and turned into production language. Like this is what he was thinking here. We're going to do it like this here and we're going to match metrics. That way we can analyze, you know, whether it be revenue or hours spent or dollars spent or whatever it's going to be or time spent. Um, you know, what is, what was the estimator thinking? How are we going to tell the production team how to do it so he can at least satisfy close to what the estimator was thinking? And that's all that, that's nothing but coordination. That is rigid. That is the same way every time. This is the information you need. This is the information you should be looking for. Then that's going to give you a good 85, 90% solution. And the other 10% is based on effort and, you know, uh, talent at that point. Yeah. No, and, and again, it's just making sure that everybody's on the same sheet of music. Yes, that's, and that's the big thing. You got to think, like, great bands, you know, they're not offbeat. Yeah. You know, everyone's on the same sheet of music, literally. And then the rest of it's made up by talent, charisma, whatever it is, those, those soft skills. But the first thing's first, everybody's got to know what we're doing. If you've ever been on a live show of a band, and you can usually tell, it's funny that you mentioned that, because you can usually tell if this band is really tight. Oh, and yeah. there and there are some bands that, you know, if a guitarist chooses the wrong chord, yep. you know, There's it's almost a, like everybody switches to it at that time frame. The drummer hits the wrong beat or, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever, and, and everybody flows with it and nobody in the audience and um, understands, you know, that there was a problem or sees yeah. that there was a problem and such. Um, you know, and when you think back in... in for those, again, who are listening that are in the military, the importance of after-action reports, of setting back and, okay, you had all these great plans and all these things that you wanted to accomplish in terms of, hey, we coordinated this way, we, we set these plans in motion so we can have this type of communication and um, make sure everybody's um, working together along that same sheet of music. But then you have that after-action that takes place or should be having that after-action where you start challenging one another and say, hey, you, you know, you made a mistake. And this mistake could have been very detrimental. Yeah. However, you know, we, of course, either put the right contingency in place to make sure that that didn't happen or whatever the case may be. But, you know, it was um, holding one another accountable is another piece of this that's very important so that you can then reset in that war room once a week. All right. Yes. Let's now let's now talk about what happened last week. Yes, absolutely. And if, if you guys in the private sector, if you maybe listen to this and you're not using after action reviews, at least with your small teams, um, you guys are missing the boat because after each, whatever you're going to call it, engagement, job, project, um, you know, deliverable, whatever it is, if they did something right, tell them. If they did something wrong, you owe it to them as their leader to tell them. Yeah. And that's just part of the, that's part of the collaboration at that point. Because if I have a leader that I can't criticize openly, you know, with, within, you know, respect and reason, if I can't say, Hey man, you know, maybe we can do it like this then he's not really a leader, you know? And if a leader's not telling you how you can get better, then maybe they're not, maybe it's not as good a leader as you should have. Well, it goes back, we talked about it on a show about tribal mentality and how important that is and, and stuff to really build teams and, and get mm -hmm. tightness and everything. Oh. 
But like you had said early on in the show, it's also equally important to make sure that those tribes don't isolate themselves. Oh, yeah, it's not. You guys are you guys are not cliques. You're you're all one big tribe. You just have different facets that everybody else does. Um, I recommend you know the company I'm at now. We're going through a big uh, frontline training. We're creating cohorts and training people on at least giving them abbreviated versions of what everybody else does. Because it's going to expand their worldview and say, hey, maybe maybe it's not always the estimator's fault that these jobs don't go well. Maybe it's not always the project manager. Maybe it's not always the field team. Um, you know, we're going to explore how to make leaders instead of make and create leaders out of people that are good at what they're doing. So they're investing a lot in leadership, and that's huge. Um, the first part of that is collaboration within or interdepartmental collaboration. That is literally like class number two for the cohort. And it, it kind of hits straight towards home with us. You know, everyone does a DISC profile. Everybody learns about their team from a standard point of view through the DISC profile, or you can do an Enneagram or whatever. But they're doing personality tests to figure out who's who and why they are the way they are. And then you take that ammunition and you, you go forth. You know, this guy's a direct guy, so he wants to be told what to do, um, what is right, what is wrong about what he's going to do and what what's next. Um, this other person may be more indirect or, you know, whatever the other categories may be. But it gives a leader a chance to get inside somebody else's brain and how to communicate with them, how to collaborate with them. Maybe you can't come from a sign of aggression, from an aggressive side with this person, but this person needs maybe a little more stronger leadership. And I, th- I think it's a big step. I think uh, – a lot of organizations are leaning towards that kind of leadership, and I think it's it's huge. And I, I, I want to say that it, as these guys come from the military and get out into these organizations, these combat veterans, that these guys have these skills. They've been doing it forever. Um, sometimes they may just need, you know, a little push to get into something, you know, more lucrative in the private sector. But these guys have these skills. They, they know how to do all this. Yeah. Well, and – it's funny that you say that because when we talk about um, individuals who are getting off active duty, they're trying to figure out what's going to be, you know, the thing that I'm going to work on. And some guys think they have it figured out, but if they go back and they rely on the basic tool sets that they had within the military and apply those to the same things within the private sector, for the most part, you're going to be successful. If you are an individual capable of building teams, you should be capable of doing the same thing. Yes. You know, it's going to be a little bit different style. You may not be able to run it the same way that you did previously in terms of, you know, how you might lead and everything. Oh, yeah. But for the most part, it's going to be very much the same. How a business runs is ju- it's just about understanding the lingo, the the terminology and stuff and how the, that might be the, different. The jargon. The, yeah. The, yeah, the... Uh, I just did something on this. What was it called? Um, it's a tribal knowledge. Like, what is what do these guys know about the job that I may not know, and somebody may not get on a formal education or something like that. So, that kind of stuff's important. And and plugging those people in, um, it's not like moving somebody out who's been in the business forever. Like, no, you bring him into the fold um, as like you know the senior senior guy. And you teach him how to lead rather you know, there's two a couple different ways to do it, but that tribal knowledge um, is huge with the success of an organization. Cause if you don't have experience, that can't that stuff can't be taught or bought. You know what I mean? You have to have somebody that has that kind of stuff. Yeah, most definitely. 
guys in the military too, you know, if you if you're you're out there and you're you're trying to figure out, you know, with the current teams that I have and and how can I get the most out of the people that I'm working with and um, you know, sometimes this is where communication and coordination helps as well because if you have the opportun- uh, opportunity to experience other aspects of a supporting elements or um, you know, other organizations, you know, you might be infantry, but you got a mortar. Go over there and, and learn about some of those uh, yeah. capabilities and differences and stuff. If you're, you know, in um, armor and you got cab next to you and stuff, you know, calf scouts or stump, something of that nature, go and understand the differences there, infantry. And, and that makes you a better leader as you start looking again at um, what are your strengths in your team? What are the capabilities, the organizations that you're going to be working with and cross-functional? Yeah. Because as you start moving up in the rank, you're going to have to understand those things a whole lot more. So it's much much easier if you go ahead and take the time instead of creating this up us-them mentality. Yeah. You start understanding what other people are having to go to, uh, I, go through. I promise all that would go out of the window if you stepped, you know, a week in an ops, an ops role. You know what I mean? You're yeah, in the S3, S3 yeah. and you got to, you know, coordinate a, Training schedule. A, a training schedule for a Delta troop yeah. who is just nothing but your forward support company. And then you have, you know, especially for my last unit was two troops of CAV, a troop of infantry, and a Delta troop. Um, and, you know, there's a Delta troop. There's cooks, mechanics, truck drivers, fuelers. Um, you know, there's a myriad of people um, that are vastly different from the first three troops of guys who just want to, you know, tote guns and yep. go to the field. Or throw bullets down range. Yeah, do, yeah, do dude hood stuff. Ra- do dude stuff with their friends, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it takes a lot to, one, learn that kind of stuff. Um, I got a chance to kind of sit in on the planning of a gunnery for um, a Delta troop, and it's completely different from the gunnery we do because it's all convoy live fire. Yeah. And the last time I did convoy live fire was in basic training. Like nobody does, you know, obviously they don't do com- convoy live fire and we're, we're doing table six and table eight and stuff like that. So, um, it is, uh, it's eye opening. It is eye opening. What is expected seeing what is expected of them as a soldier and then being able to communicate that with them. Um, and then somehow knowing like at the end of the day, like you're going to have to collaborate with these people and coordinate with these people to get the things you need to where you're supposed to be. Cause you might be a phase line up mm-hmm. and they got to get there and they got to protect themselves and you have to communicate with them, collaborate and coordinate with them to get you the stuff that you're going to need to sustain your fight and move to the next, uh, the, the next control point that you have to hit. So, so you know, and a lot of guys, you, you, uh, you show up and you just do whatever you're told to do. <clears throat> and, and maybe you're not at a rank in which you have that uh, ability to learn and stuff like that. But even in airborne operations, there's a lot of work that goes into pre-jump and pre-airborne <laughs> operations. Uh, and then there's guys that are on the ground that are making sure the winds and, you know, weather oh, yeah. and, and all of these different uh, effects are not going to have any impact, detrimental impact on the jump. And, you know, by understanding, like you said, all the pre-work that goes into that, the, the actual jump, the post work, you know, S3 is the same thing. You go set up a range. Um, you, you set up the training that goes to leads into the gunnery. You go into the gunnery and stuff, and then you come out of that. You're probably hanging around the field for another 30 days after everybody goes home uh, because now you're going through debrief. You're tearing things down and, and all of those types of things. All of those things by learning and challenging yourself in different ways are going to be very beneficial 
you become more of like an army Swiss knife out here in the yeah. private sector yeah. um, when you do transition. And listen, we're all gonna we're all gonna transition at one day or the other. Oh yeah. So when you when you get an opportunity while you're on active duty to play these different play these different roles and collaborate and communicate and coordinate with these other elements and stuff that are nearby you that you never want to actually probably do that because you're they're not as cool as what you are. Yeah. You're really benefiting yourself if you do that because then when you come out, you have that broader perspective, more strategic focus, and not just the narrow siloed focus of my job is to be on that truck or whatever, yeah. to ride to the range, throw bullets down range, go back shower. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gunner. Like, <laughs> cool, man. <Yeah. clears throat> right. You know between your left and right limit. That's all you know. Right. Right. So now as the gunner, you need to know how to coordinate what that truck's doing, what that truck's doing because – Hey, you're in the senior scout truck. Uh, your senior scout is now dead. The gunner takes over that truck. So now you need to start coordinating everybody else's job. Take, take it to the next level. I mean, you end up becoming, you know, uh, E7, you know, maybe even E6 at times, 7, E8, you know, those types of things. You're now coordinating unit efforts, oh. maneuvers, the whole bit. If you're oh, yeah. an officer, you're doing that already as yes. a lieutenant well, with your platoon, mm -hmm. as a uh, captain with your uh, company or oh, yeah. you know, troop. I mean, you're you're like moving uh, a, a, through a path and a course. And sure, you go through military uh, training and stuff for a lot of these types of things. But really embracing and acknowledging what they're trained to teach you can be so valuable when you do make it here on the outside. If you apply those similar principles learn the lingo, you know, that's out here so that you can communicate now in a very different way. Yeah. But, you know, I know this is a little bit about a transition um, type of discussion, but all of these things could be so beneficial um, on the private sector to being able to develop a team and uh, build that camaraderie and everything and get the job done. Because at the end of the day, it's about getting stuff done. It's about getting stuff done. Absolutely. Like, so whatever your lot is in the military currently or your lot is at your current job, uh, look to your left and right and see if there's somebody that can teach you something. That's the first part. Be willing to learn. Be willing to learn what they're going to teach you. And even if they teach you something that's not fun, learn it. Yeah. Because that, that's called getting street cred in the construction business. Like, have you ran a shovel? Um, have you done some of these things that nobody else wants to do? Um, and that's, we got guys at my company that started there as like 18-year-old kids in, in a pipe ditch. And now they're senior estimators. You're in construction. I'm in life sciences. Whatever you're saying is applicable over here in a yeah. very different way. You know? But so, if somebody done the, the grunt work, then they know. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you're sitting at the bench and you're actually creating something with a virus, that, you know, or whatever that may become something further downstream that's going to be used within science, <clears throat> or or whether you're in a construction site or whatever the, the situation may be, all of this is applicable in those types of situations. And if you're on active duty, it's a, it's again, it's the same way. Everything yeah. that we're talking about and learning about the other ears. I used to have an NCO, and I think I talked about this a long time ago on one of the episodes. Um, what Actually, probably my first mentor, an E7 platoon sergeant, that really challenged us all the time. And he would uh, sometimes you know, take us out, um, you know, try to get a, a deuce and a half, five ton or whatever, load us up. We go out to some spot and we start doing training. We didn't have to wait for somebody to tell us to, to tell us where we were going to go, what we we're going to do. And, and those types of things. He tried to get very creative, um, every day with something that would keep us off kilter, you know, yeah. and, and, and make it challenging for us and stuff. Yeah. 
coordinate and collaborate with other areas like we were talking about and to get out of your comfort zone and put you in an environment either with something that you're used to doing but now in a very uncomfortable environment or something you're not even used to doing in a very uncomfortable yeah. environment. Yeah. Both are going to be challenging yeah. and put you in a in a space where <clears throat> you're going to grow and learn. Yeah, absolutely. And that that is the big thing is communicating across different levels of the organization and not just horizontal but also up and down. Like cuz there's a leadership model in the army, I don't know about the other services where you you um you mentor two levels up, or you're mentored from two levels up, and you mentor two levels down. So if you're a staff sergeant, you are mentoring specialists and below, right? If you're an E7, you're mentoring your team leaders. If you're an E8 and a first sergeant, you're mentoring your section leaders or staff sergeants. Um, and then sergeant majors are mentoring platoon sergeants. And I think that is great because it's not your direct leader. It is your leader's leader. So he's he knows what you're dealing with with your leader, also, he knows kind of, you know, can give you some tips and trades to navigate, but it's also a pay it forward thing. You're, you need to be mentoring people under you as well, or that stuff. You can't let that kind of stuff die with where you're at. You can't just soak it in and not put it back out. Yeah. And I think that that sounds like what your platoon sergeant was doing was he had somebody do it for him and he knew it helped him. Yeah. And it sounds like he's doing the same thing. Well, and, and sometimes there were things on the training schedule that was just really common skills task stuff that was boring as hell. We've done it over and over again. But then you put on a gas mask. And it's not boring anymore. <laughs> now it's hard. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just modify it slightly. Do something different. Or, you know, hey, go up the to the leadership and say, I've got a different idea. Would you be okay with it? Or can we apply this like you're talking about in a very different way? Put yourself and your team in different environments. Do that if you're in the private sector. Find ways to challenge your team. <clears throat> Find ways to put them out of their comfort zones. Find individuals who are willing to take on additional responsibilities and give them those opportunities, you oh, know, yeah. when they come about. And that's growth. That is growth, and growth is uncomfortable. The growing pains are uncomfortable, but it's learning. Uh, like right now, I'm I'm the pre-construction coordinator at my company, but I'm kind of the director of everything else. Like yeah. I got product procurement under my belt. I have um, kind of a operations and scheduling type thing under my belt. Uh, I'm just kind of doing whatever anyone asks. You know, I'm I'm new to the industry, like under five years, and you know, it's just one of those things where okay, you need some help, I can help because I can learn something. Yeah, and I it's mean, it's uncomfortable a lot of the times, and yeah. I'm not gonna lie, like it is uncomfortable, and I have stressful days, but I know that that stress is bred from learning. In the in the army, we only had to do one thing, and that was show up in you know formation uh, or do basically what I was gonna say. One yeah. thing is do what we were told. Do what you were told. And when you get out here in the private sector, you're going to have to think a little bit more on your own. And you're going to probably, like you're talking about, have a lot more responsibility. So, you know, in my case, it's, you know, information technology, human resources, logistics, manufacturing. Um, I cover about seven different areas, facilities. I cover <clears throat> seven different areas that are very discreet in a lot of ways. Yeah, but um, if you don't have your own set of big boy rules that you live by. Right. One of those is going to drop and then the other one's going to drop and then it's going to be like, okay, then what can he do? Well, those, th those times that I was spent in S3 actually yeah. were, I mean, it was probably only about 14 months that I was in it, but that that time period was really, really helpful. Yes. Now, it was also bad because when I did go back to a line unit, um, I felt like I'd forgotten everything and I yeah. had to get back into it. And I talked about that in one of the previous episodes recently 
<clears throat> about how I had to roll up my sleeves and demonstrate I'm I, I'm back because yeah. they saw me as oh you were S three yeah uh, but the S three got gave me an opportunity to apply administrative use my brain power in a different yeah. way think about collaboration and coordination and efforts beyond just what I was singularly focused on typically before you know and um, made me a better NCO at that time frame absolutely absolutely and that that kind of cross-contamination or cross-pollination of, of information and, you know, te- tri- tricks, tips, and techniques that, that can, you know, help people out. Um, that's important because somebody may come from a situation that's completely different from what you came from, so they have a different worldview, they have a different idea, they have a different uh, point of view on things, and they're going to attack something a different way. And there's nothing wrong with having more tools in your tool belt. Yeah. And that's all that is. That's It's just a tool in your tool belt to help get the job done and get the point across. No, that that's that's an excellent point. And even here, I, I you know, I, I tell a lot of folks that, you know, you may have different backgrounds, and I know some of you probably have heard of project management, like you're talking about, or Six yeah. Sigma, or you know, those types of things. They're great tools at the time frame. <clears throat> Doesn't mean that you can't at times take a screwdriver and make it a hammer, because that yep. might be the right tool at the right place <laughs> that you got to use, yeah. but. Um, but you also have that kind of flexibility. And that's what I think we're also trying to talk about within this episode is take some of the things that you think are very standard and mundane, especially here, you know, when we're in a garrison type of format and uh, find ways to challenge yourself, your teams, figure out ways to better coordinate, better collaborate, you know, uh, connect, make connections, do all the things that's needed and stuff out there to grow yourself, to grow your team, because it is all going to be very applicable when you walk out the door. Yeah. And you can't think outside the box until you know the box. Right. So I had a drill sergeant tell me that drill sergeant pal. Um, he's like, uh, privates, I'm here to teach you the box so you can learn how to think outside the box. And that's that, that, that is, that has stuck with me obviously for, you know, since 2009. Yeah. Like that is huge. Like, that makes sense to me. I got to know this before I can do things out here. Obviously, it stuck with you. That is a long time frame. <laughs> but what's funny about that is that there are a lot of people that actually say you got to stay in color within the lines. And what you're saying is, no, that's that's only because that's what we were taught. That's you can actually go taught. outside yeah. of that and think broader. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Um, so, guys, you know, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And it's a little bit different than what we kind of do. But um, there are a lot of good lessons, I think, that are within it from both um, you know, whether you're on active duty, whether you're in the civilian side of it, and as you make that transition. So uh, thank you again for following us uh, here at Mentors for Military. Uh, be sure to go out there, subscribe, like, and uh, support the podcast on Patreon. And thank you guys for tuning in each week. Thanks, guys.